Amen. As we take our seats together, let us turn to God's precious word. And we're turning to the New Testament scriptures and to 1 Thessalonians. Been reading in 1 Thessalonians uh, during this past week. And I want to just turn our attention to the first chapter, 1 Thessalonians, and the chapter 1. And let us hear God's word together. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Amen. We'll end there at the end of the chapter. May the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. Been reading together already this morning from 1 Thessalonians and the chapter 1. And I would like to take as my text words found in the ninth verse. There in 1 Thessalonians 1 and the verse 9, we read, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And particularly those words at the end of verse 9, where the Apostle Paul says to the Thessalonians, how ye turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And what we have in these words is genuine conversion. And that's what I want us to think about this morning, genuine 
conversion. Let's just unite together and seek the help of the Lord as we come to meditate upon his word. Our heavenly Father and our eternal God, we do thank thee afresh for the inspired word. And we thank thee, O God, that we can turn to that word and that we can meditate upon it together. And we ask, O God, as we consider this phrase of Scripture speaking to us about genuine conversion, that, Lord, we would each know with assurance that we have been converted to Christ. And if there are any today who are still unconverted and therefore unprepared for eternity, speak, O God, powerfully even to their heart. Do abide with us now and shut us into thy presence. We offer our prayer in the Saviour's great name. Amen. As the Apostle Paul writes to the believers at Thessalonica, he's recalling with fondness the commencement of the work of God at Thessalonica. And it is with thankfulness that he would write to God's people And he assures them that he still remembers them at the throne of grace in prayer. And as he remembers them, he gives thanks to God for them. And there were some particular Christian graces that the believers at Thessalonica demonstrated. And the Apostle Paul is drawing them again to their attention. You notice them there in verse 3 of our Bible reading. And Paul says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. And as he speaks to them and he draws attention here to their work of faith, he's speaking about the the outworking of their faith and that which proceeds from their faith their labor of love, their service for the Lord, those acts of kindness that are prompted by a love for the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Apostle Paul calls it their labor of love. Then that third Christian grace that's called the patience of hope, and they were able to be a patient people, That is, they knew what it was to patiently endure under affliction. And it involves as well that patient waiting for the Lord's return. And as Paul was writing to the Thessalonians, he's thanking God for these things that were demonstrated in their lives. And certainly we could say of the believers at Thessalonica that they bore a good testimony for the Savior. In fact, they became something of a model church and they were an example and a pattern for others to follow. And as the Apostle Paul recalls with fondness the commencement of the work of God there, he speaks about the effect that God's word had in that particular area and in that region. Notice how he refers to it in verse 5. 
He says, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And so the word didn't come just in word only. In other words, they just weren't hearers of that word. But oh, it tells us that as the word, as the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ came on to them, it came to them in power. It was in the power of the Holy Spirit of God and it was in much assurance. You see, when the word of God was preached in Thessalonica, they weren't just going through the motions of listening to a sermon. No, the word that was preached, it came with power. The Holy Spirit of God applied that word with power to their hearts. And in verse 6 it says, And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. And so you could see there how Paul is recounting what actually happened there at Thessalonica. Oh, they heard the word and they received that word. And that word came to them in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit of God. And that word became the power of God unto salvation. Do you know what happened there at Thessalonica, it happens every time a precious soul is saved. They hear the word of the gospel and it just doesn't run off them like water off the duck's back. No, that word enters into their heart by the power of the Holy Spirit of God and they, they receive that word into their heart. And they become, as verse 6 says, followers. They have received that word to the salvation of their soul. And Paul says, you're followers of us and of the Lord. Insofar that the apostle and the others had followed the Lord. He's saying, you're followers of us and of the Lord. You're joining together with us to follow the Lord. The means of their salvation was the word of God, the preaching of the word of God. The power in their salvation was the Holy Spirit of God applying that word. And when they received that word into their hearts, that word changed their hearts and changed their lives as they were quickened by the Holy Spirit of God and they became followers of the Lord. And really, when you come to our text of Scripture, that phrase at the end of verse 9, Paul is really summarizing here in these words what actually happened. What he has given in a little more detail in the preceding verses, he's now crystallizing and summarizing what happened. He says, how ye turned to God. There it is. That's conversion. How ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And those words speak to us today about genuine conversion to Christ. 
And as we just think about them for a short time together, I want you to notice firstly the essence of conversion. And there in that word, turned, how ye turned to God. And the simplest way to understand that word turned, it's to move from one direction to another direction. There's a turning there. And that's an important element in conversion. You know, when the apostle Peter was the preacher in Acts chapter 3 and the verse 19, and he cried out saying, repent. And he said, repent ye therefore and be converted. And that word converted there in Acts 3 and verse 19, it's the same word that's translated in our text of Scripture, turned. So we could actually read our text, how ye were converted to God. And so this is speaking to us about conversion. It's speaking about that turning from one direction to another direction. And when you're converted to the Lord, my, you've been turned about 180 degrees. You've been turned right around to the opposite way. And notice how the wording is put there at the end of verse 9. How ye turned to God from idols. I think if we had been writing that, we would maybe have written it the other way around. We would have said, how ye turned from idols to God. But the order must be carefully noted here. It doesn't say how ye turned from idols to God, although that would be correct. But the Holy Spirit of God is putting the words in the correct order. And the inspired word shows us here how ye turned to God. That's first. The turning to God comes first. And the turning from the idols, well, that's put after that. You see, man, individuals, when they hear the word of God and they hear the necessity to be saved and to be converted to Christ, they would almost say to themselves, well, there are some things in my life that I would have to sort out first. There are some things in my life that I know they're not right and therefore I'm going to try and change those things myself first. I'm going to try and reform my life and I'm going to turn over a new leaf and I'll see how I get on and if I'm getting on okay, then I'll get saved, I'll turn to the Lord. No. The first thing is to turn to the Lord. The first thing is to get saved. Seek ye first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all other things shall be added on to you. You see, whenever the soul sincerely and genuinely turns to God, the Lord breaks the power of sin. We often sing that he breaks the power of cancelled sin and he sets the prisoner free. And that life that surrenders to the Lord will see the power of sin being broken. The words that are well known in the prophecy of Isaiah and the chapter 55 
And those words there in the verses 6 and 7, verse 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. And then verse 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return on to the Lord, for he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And so the order is given there again, seek ye the Lord, that's first. Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him while he is near. And then it says, let the wicked forsake his way. We've all heard testimonies of individuals who turned to the Lord or converted to Christ and how they then had the victory over sin, sin which perhaps they had struggled with for many's a long day and how the devil had dominion over them and sin had dominion over them but when they surrendered their heart and life to the Lord, the Lord broke the power of that sin in their lives. That's what happened at Thessalonica. It says, how ye turn to God. To turn to God, that's, that's repentance. The turning to God is a, a turning, yes, it's a turning from sin with a sorrow and a, a sorrow for that sin and a forsaking of that sin. But it's first and foremost and primarily, it's a turning to God. It's being converted to the Lord. You need to turn today. The context would speak in our Bible reading about Macedonia and Achaia. And in that region, the Apostle Paul, of course, preached and there was that time whenever he received the Macedonian call, and that came in Acts chapter 16. But previous to that, in Acts chapter 14, there is an example here of Paul being met with the idolatry that he refers to. And in Acts chapter 14, he's showing here an example of the type of heathen idolatry that he was confronted with. In verse 11, this is after the healing of an impotent man. In verse 11 of Acts 14, it says, And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Laconia, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And so they were looking upon Paul and Barnabas as gods. Because the power of God had been demonstrated through them, these individuals made the mistake of thinking uh, Paul and Barnabas were actually gods that were come down to them. Verse 12 of that chapter, it says, And they called Barnabas Jupiter, and Paul Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. Here's some of those false gods, Jupiter and Mercury. And they're saying, Barnabas, you're Jupiter. And Paul, you're Mercury. And they began to gather garlands and they were going to put the garlands upon Paul and Barnabas and they were going to sacrifice and they were going to worship them as gods. Well, what was Paul's response to all of this? He said to them in Acts 14 and the verse 15, Sirs, 
Why do ye these things? We also were men of like passions with you and preach unto you that ye should turn. There's what the Apostle Paul said. They preached unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. What was the message of the Apostle Paul to those who were worshipping those idols and those lying vanities? He said to them, turn, turn. There must be that turning to God. Repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that's the essence of conversion. But the question, of course, that each one of us need to face up to is, are we converted? Can we look to that time in our lives when we turned? That time when we heard the message of the gospel and that need to repent of our sin and to get right with God? Is there a time in our lives when we could say, yes, I can remember the day and I can remember the moment? There are some people and they maybe were so young that they couldn't even have put the date upon it, but they know there was a time and they know there was a day and they would say, well, that was the point when I turned to the Lord, the point of their conversion. Do you have that today? Do you have that testimony where there was a time when you turned to God from sin? You see, that's the essence of conversion. But secondly, I want you to notice the evidence of conversion. You look at our text of Scripture again, and it says, How ye turn to God from idols to serve, to serve the living and true God. I'm sure every one of us would be familiar with the expression, oh, you're saved to serve. Saved to serve. And you would have to note the order in that again. You're saved first. Salvation comes first. And service is something that follows on from that because service is not a means of salvation. We're not saved by works. My, we would emphasize that. We would underline that so many times. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. No, we're saved by the grace of God. I cannot work my soul to save. For that my Lord has done. But I will work like any slave for the love of God's dear Son. A service that is motivated by that love for the Lord Jesus Christ who has saved us. He's the one whom we serve. Saved to serve. The evidence of genuine conversion is our service for the Lord. And you note the one whom the Apostle Paul says that they serve. He says, to serve the living and true God. See, that was in contrast to the lying vanities and the idols that they turned from. As opposed to them, the Lord is living and the Lord is true. Well, they were the false gods. They were the gods of man's making. They were the gods of man's hands. 
They would have been made of wood or of stone and those false gods would have eyes but they couldn't see. They would have ears but they couldn't hear. They would have mouths but they couldn't speak. They were just dead, lifeless idols. They were false. You think of the Lord, Paul said. He's the living God. He's the true God. Do you remember Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17 when he would go in before Ahab? And he said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, liveth. He's the living God. The Apostle Paul, he always wanted to emphasize the fact that the Lord was the living God. When he wrote to the Romans in Romans chapter 9, and he comes there to describe God's people, he said in Romans 9 and the verse 26, And it shall come to pass, that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there shall they be called the children of the living God. God's people. They're the children of the living God. Over in Second Corinthians in the chapter 3 and the verse 3, it says, For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. The children of the Lord, they're the children of the living God. The Spirit of the Lord is the Spirit of the living God. And in First Timothy, and there in the third chapter, in First Timothy chapter 3 and in the verse 15. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. The church of the living God. Hebrews 12 and there in the verse 22, it speaks about the city. And it says, the city of the living God, the city of the living God. You see how when the Word of God refers to the Lord, it wants to emphasize the fact that He is the living God. We're the children of the living God. There's the Spirit of the living God, the church of the living God, and one day, the city, the city of the living God. Over in Jeremiah, in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 10, and in the verse 10, he refers there <clears throat> to the Lord. And he says, but the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king. Jeremiah had that high view of the Lord, the true God and the living God. That's who the Thessalonians were serving and that's who we are called upon today to serve. Again, when the apostle wrote to the Romans, he said that we are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
presenting ourselves, surrendering ourselves to the Lord for his service. Hebrews 12, let us of grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Our service for the Lord, that's our evidence of conversion. Ye turn to God from idols to serve the living God. Then thirdly and very quickly just to look at verse 10 at the end of our Bible reading. And here we have the expectation of conversion. It says there, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. And you could mark there uh, the verbs that we have been looking at in these words of Scripture. There was firstly the turning, and then there was the serving, and now there's the waiting. Remember those three Christian graces that Paul referred to in verse 3? The work of faith. There's the turning, turning to God. The labor of love. There's the serving, serving the living and true God. And then that patience of hope. There's that waiting that waiting on the Lord to wait for his Son from heaven. That waiting is to wait with patience, to wait with endurance, to wait with confidence. And there's that confident expectation. And you would do well to dwell upon the words of verse 10 and just to go through it so slowly to see the details of the Lord's coming what is it that the believer, the one converted to Christ, what is it that they're to wait on, to wait for his son? That's the one who has promised to come back again. We're waiting for his son. And where is he coming from? It's to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. You see, he died upon the tree to deliver us from the wrath to come. And as he hung upon the tree, he bore that wrath which we deserved. And there his blood was poured out unto death. And then the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the grave. And thank God, he's coming again. And that's a theme that runs through Paul's letters to the Thessalonians, that they would be waiting with that patience of hope, waiting on the return of the Lord Jesus Christ from heaven. He refers to it again in 1 Thessalonians 4 and the verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Oh, that truth to dwell upon today, knowing that the Savior will fulfill that promise, and one day he will return in power and in great glory. Matthew Poole, he said the two great articles of the Christian faith, number one, 
believing the Savior has gone into heaven. And number two, believing he will come again from heaven. Oh, may each of us know what it is to be converted to Christ today, and to be serving him and to be waiting on him, to be waiting with that patience of hope to the glory of God. We're going to